following aviation podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 126, live from AirVenture 2016, coming up in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Sean Moody, Eric Crump, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Hi, this is Carl Valeri, and we have a really exciting podcast this evening. We are broadcasting live from AirVenture 2016. Well, (laughs) and that's actually some of the aerobatics that's going on in the background. That was some great noises. Who did that? Was that you, Rick? That was awesome. We we are not quite live, but these are those live interviews we did at AirVenture 2016. Joining me this evening is uh, Russ Rosaleski, Larry Overstreet, also Tom Frick, and Rick Felty. Welcome, guys. Hey. Hello. Let's do the pre-flight. Yeah, it's, it's an almost live podcast from uh, from Air Venture. I will say this. First of all, you guys did a great job in the interviews. Uh, Russ and, and, and Larry just hit it out of the park. And, and Tom, you did a great job just, just doing some volunteer work there uh, at, uh, at Air Venture. That was awesome. And it was, I really it was, wish I could have been in there. Yeah, it was really fun to watch all the posts, everything you guys were, were, were putting online. It was really cool. Got a real good yeah. sense of it. And neat stuff. And also, you know, we're trying to put more at the Stuck Mike Avcast uh, on Facebook. So make sure you, you check out some of the pictures we're going to be start posting there. Um, you know, one of the things that's uh, been interesting is the fact that we were talking about this before. I still have not made it to Air Venture. Can you believe that? Out of all that's these years. That's a problem. And it is a problem. It was a mismanagement on my side as far as my days off, so that was my fault. I had about uh, 15, 20 days off in a row, but it just didn't happen to coincide with, with Air Venture. I did have two, two days in between, but I wound up having to fly, and I wasn't able to fly in. I was supposed to grab a ride with somebody. I had two different airplanes I was going to go with, and both of them didn't pan out. It was going to be up there and back. But regardless, we have some really cool interviews. But before we get started, uh, I want to say this real quick. A couple announcements. Number one, uh, last episode, Remote Pilot Certificate Explained. That's in episode 125, getting a huge amount of feedback. So let me quickly explain is that if you can't make it to the FAA safety seminars where you can actually you know, move towards getting your Remote Pilot Certificate, I won't get into it too much right now, but go listen to 125 to learn how. Uh, you will see more and more safety seminars out there. You can go online and actually uh, complete uh, the course to get your remote pilot certificate. I know I've done it. Uh, Russ has done it. It's uh, it's actually a good little course to take, and it's it's fairly quick. If you've been flying, you, you know you can pass this. Uh, but with that said, we're getting a lot of feedback. As you know, I'm a lead rep at the, at the FAA safety program, and we are going to try as hard as we can to get more and more of these out there. It is wonderful to see the feedback. It's wonderful to see everybody excited about the, the remote pilot certificate. That's the small uh, UAS Part 107 remote pilot certificate. 
and uh, just go check out episode 125. And we also will be having a video coming up and look at the fasafety.gov for a seminar in your location. Uh, They'll be going on, and and they're always full. They're always full. It's a lot, a lot of fun. Also, if you have any questions for the podcast, we are now consolidating uh, a lot of – Russ Bonchu is actually consolidating all the questions that you sent in, and we're going to start doing Q&As. I do realize that we have a lot of questions that have come in that we haven't been answering online here. We're starting to consolidate those so that all the hosts – can actually look at those. It's going to be in a document where we can actually write you directly. Of course, you can go to the contact page or contact at stuckmikeavcast.com if you want to send in some feedback. Really appreciate that. Now entering cruise flight. Well, anyway, let's get on with the show. We don't have picks of the week because we're going to mention some of the actual uh, websites and uh, different places you can find information that coincide with some of the interviews that we had done at AirVenture. But first, let's talk a little bit about AirVenture 2016. Guys, how was it? Tell me a little bit about the show. Russ, especially Russ, I know you were pretty excited to, to go there for, the. I think, the first time, was it? Oh, no, no, Carl, it's not my first time. It's about my, <laughs> I think, my fourth time up there. But, you know, it was it was really exciting. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get up there until a little bit later in the week. got up there Thursday afternoon and... Fortunately, the uh, the temperatures had cooled down quite a bit. It was actually a little bit drizzly for Thursday and Friday morning. But uh, the turnout was great. I, I heard lots of reports that uh, people thought the turnout was better than years before, up a few percent, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, there just all kinds of stuff there. I mean, it's it, it's a great place. And, and Carl, you need to make it up there someday. Oh, yeah. This this year is going to be the year, or next year, I should say. Uh, definitely putting in my for my vacation, and uh, I won't mis- mismanage that one this year. Uh, it It is actually, it's incredible how many people, and, and thank you, everybody that's written in and texted me and uh, sent me tweets that uh, they wish that I was there to say hello. I will definitely go there next year. The uh, Potapalooza, uh, I know, was a wonderful thing that they did, uh, and I would love to actually meet everybody there. I know Tom... You were there actually doing some volunteer work, I think, with uh, with another booth. I think it was a, a friend of the podcast, and that was with uh, M0A, wasn't it? Indeed. Uh, I was in the M0A booth for the entire week. Uh, I was there uh, Monday through Sunday. Uh, met tons of really great people. Um, you know, my throat was sore from talking all week long, just all the great pilots coming by and aspiring pilots. And, and, uh, and I agree. I think the crowds were much heavier than they were the year before. Um, you could just, I don't know, you could feel the enthusiasm in the air. So I think with, uh, you know, some of the, uh, people I were talking to, were talking about the, uh, the news about the third class medical reform. Um, and also with the, um, you know, with the remote pilot certificates that the whole thing was just, uh, you know, people were a buzz and, and it was pretty cool to see. Awesome. And this is not your first either. Uh, you've been there a few times now, right? Uh, this was my second. Second one. Okay, cool, cool. Well, I there the, the, the next person that <laughs> we're going to talk to about AirVenture is somebody who, gosh, pretty much lives near AirVenture. Larry, you, you've been there quite a few times, and you've had, you have the ultimate experience by uh, camping out there, don't you? Yes, uh, Carl, I, I sure do. I'm about uh, 90 minutes south of uh, Oshkosh, and so I get to you know, buzz up there during the year and maybe swing by the museum or something like that, or some of the other events that they have during the course of the year. Um, but of course, you know, AirVenture is always the, uh, the big highlight, um, for our family, it's our big family vacation every summer. Um, and I go up there about a week and a half before opening day and stake out campsites, 
uh, for a lot of people, a lot of friends uh, who camped together there. Um, this year, we probably had, you know, round numbers, about 50 people camping together. Um, and uh, you really do. I started going in 1979 with my dad and uh, had, you know, tons of great memories growing up, uh, being up there. We spent a lot of time up in the ultralight area. Um, but this year was really cool. Uh, some new airplanes, uh, including the Martin Mars, which is the large water bomber. Um, it is just massive to see that thing flying, uh, you know, low pass, slow pass, a couple hundred feet off the runway and then drop 50,000 pounds of water in about two and a half seconds. Um, the uh, C-5 was there on the ground. You could walk through it end to end. That was kind of fun. Um, this Canadian Snowbirds uh, uh, team was back this year. And if I heard if I heard correctly, um, I saw them several times when I was a kid uh, at Oshkosh. But uh, I think this was 33 years since they had been uh, at Oshkosh. And so wow. seeing them... Um, and this is the first time I've been to Oshkosh since uh, my father passed away this last year. And uh, bringing back memories of watching them with him was really kind of a uh, special time. Awesome. Yeah, sorry to hear that. And uh, But uh, it does. It's it's wonderful to be able to, to go back and re-experience uh, our past at certain events. I know I do that myself. And uh, Oshkosh and, and I guess our venture, we call it now, is one of those things we, we do. We wind up remembering uh, our loved ones, our friends and uh, our aviation uh, buddies that are out there. And it's it's just a wonderful experience. And, you know, something that I'm starting to feel from everybody that's talked about being at Oshkosh, it really is about the people, isn't it? At, oh, at yeah, the, definitely. Uh, it's uh, It really is. You know, one of the things that I think you did a great job on was, was your interview that you did there. And also, uh, Russ did an awesome job. We have some really exciting interviews. What we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and play those interviews. Uh, and then we'll do a little bit of discussion after after that to uh, talk a little bit about those two different things. Uh, first of all, though, I would like a an, an intro uh, as far as you know what is it? Who did you talk to? And then uh, we'll go into that. So, Larry, what who did you talk to at, at uh, Oshkosh? Yeah, I talked to uh, Keith Smith with Pilot Edge, uh, which is a really interesting service. Uh, it's a subscription service. Um, if you use your simulator simulator at home, whether it's you know, some flavor of uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator or X-Plane or whatever. I use X-Plane. Um, the, the simulators are amazing in terms of what you can do, especially if you, you know, give yourself a couple of monitors to work with in that. But the one thing that's still missing is air traffic control. And what Pilot Edge does is it takes experienced actual controllers and gives them a side gig. Um, and they concentrate all the traffic into, um, I believe it's, uh, LA Center, and so you, you're flying typically within the airports that are over there, and that gives you a, a, a concentrated enough traffic density that you're hearing the clearances to other aircraft. Um, you can actually see other aircraft if, if you're, you know, flying if you're uh, on the ground. Um, but you can start with clearance delivery or ATIS, pick it up, um, and um, go through the entire process of an IFR flight or a VFR flight. Uh, it adds a whole new level of realism. And so um, Keith was talking about the uh, service that they offer and also some new things that they're starting to do. Cool, cool. And we'll be uh, listening to that in a second. And thanks again for getting that for us, uh, Larry. Uh, the next uh, interview we'll have after that is going to be one that uh, Russ was able to get. Really cool interview uh, with some really exciting technology. Could you give us a quick overview before we go into that interview there, Russ? Yeah, sure, Carl. This this was a lot of fun. It was actually a follow-up of an interview I got to do at Sun of Fun when I was uh, volunteering uh, for Sun of Fun Radio. And it was with uh, Ben Kowalski. 
who's the vice president of marketing at Cirrus Aircraft. And back in April at Sun and Fun, we had talked a lot about their uh, their Vision Jet, which was, you know, we were working on certification. So I kind of got a little bit of an update there. Uh, they're not quite there yet, but uh, but pretty close. And we got to talk a lot about uh, some of the some of the features uh, of the new Vision Jet. Their you know proposed market and training, uh, that kind of thing. In addition to uh, two of the other Cirrus products uh that they that they've got uh, out right now so yeah it was a lot of fun and um hopefully next time i interview them we'll be um you know able to report that the jet is certified yes and, and you'll be flying it too uh hopefully well, you get that certainly would be nice yes <laughs> <laughs> well guys let's uh mr producer uh, rick felty we're gonna ask rick if he could roll both of those interviews uh first a pilot edge and then uh, also to the uh the vision jet and then we'll come back afterwards and, and talk a little bit about those so go ahead and uh, mr producer roll the roll those uh, interviews thanks This is Larry Overstreet with the Stuck Mike Avcast on site at Oshkosh uh, for the big EAA convention. And I'm here with uh, Keith Smith with Pilot Edge uh, at the Pilot Proficiency Center. I've had a chance to be at the Pilot Proficiency Center several times this week, and I've done some great approaches and I've messed up a few too. Uh, but it's been a great learning experience, uh, and I really encourage any of you who uh, are listening to this to think about setting some time aside uh, next year for Osh 17 uh, to come by and, and try it out. Um, Keith, tell us a little bit about uh, Pilot Edge and how Pilot Edge played a part in this year's uh, Pilot Proficiency Center. Sure thing. First, thanks for having me on the uh, on the podcast. I appreciate it. I have been seeing you all week, um, <laughs> and I don't think it's been just a few times, actually. I think you've been here nearly every day, near as I can tell. Just about. Which is awesome. We actually love it when people come back, and it, it, it shows us that we're doing something right, that people come back more than once. They want more and more and more. So good job on that. Uh, so the service, we've been around for about five years or so. We provide ATC for simulators. So flight simulation is gaining popularity all the time in the real-world pilot community. It's always been a huge hit with the enthusiasts community, but the thing that's been missing by and large has been realistic air traffic control. And so there were a couple of options out there, some better than others. Uh, None of them really uh, properly equipped to handle private pilot training on a regular professional basis. That's why we started Pilot Edge. So we add real air traffic control to your simulator. By real air traffic control, I mean we have real people providing ATC using voice over IP over the internet. And of course, we're using that service, which is accessible to anyone in the world right here at Oshkosh at the Pilot Proficiency Center. Uh, very good. How, how does that work? Like if I'm, a, if I'm an individual pilot at home with, with my uh, uh, X-Plane or Microsoft Flight Simulator or whatever, uh, how, how do I connect up with that? How do, what equipment do I need? Right, right. So you go over to pilotedge.net, sign up for the two-week trial, absolutely free. You must have a headset or a microphone. It doesn't have to be a general aviation headset. No special hardware required. Isn't it awesome that the T6s started their flight right in the middle of the uh, absolutely? The, the that's that's a beautiful sound. They sense whenever there's an interview going on, they go fly right over that uh, right over that tent. Um, you do need some audio input device. It doesn't have to be an actual general aviation headset. Uh, as long as you're able to make a Skype call with someone, generally speaking, you're pretty much good to go on Pilot Edge. So you go to the website, sign up for the trial, download the software for your simulator, be it Lockheed P3D, Microsoft FSX, FS2004, if you're running a museum, I suppose, and uh, <laughs> an X-Plane, of course, which is my sim of choice. Very good. My, 
mine as well. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the Pilot Proficiency Center uh, and what all what, you know what all was available here, uh, and maybe uh, how you guys plugged into it and and some of the other things uh, that pilots could do here? Sure. The PPC has been going for a couple of years now. A bunch of companies got together and said, "Let's all work together with no you know specific corporate agendas. Let's just build a place where pilots can get better, improve their proficiency, and learn a little bit about simulation." So all the companies here believe in simulation. We all came together. It's not often this happens in industry where literally Joe Brown and other people from different companies like Hartzell and Jefferson and Redbird all came together and said, we're here to just make pilots better. We're not here to sell you a simulator. We're not here to sell training services. And it's been awesome. Huge cooperative spirit. I actually love coming here every year to do that. And what we're providing here is not surprisingly the air traffic control piece of the simulation experience. So uh, we also contributed heavily to the scenario design, so we have 15 different VFR scenarios and about 15 IFR scenarios this year, which has expanded from last year. Yeah. There's a, a crosswind trainer, and there is a loss of control prevention uh, set of scenarios, which has flown in a, mul- a full motion simulator. So we have three different families of simulators doing three different types of scenarios, and we provide ATC where it makes sense for those scenarios. Very good. And and these are loggable uh, as, as appropriate. Um, you have uh, double eyes here from uh, Safe and Affy, uh, Master Flight Instructors. Absolutely. And and uh, uh, they're right there, sitting right next to you during the during the scenarios. Um, it it was really helpful. Yeah, the the place absolutely would not run without the instructors. So simply putting people in the box uh, and giving them a book and saying, hey, go ahead and do the flight, have a great time, is not going to work. It's not what the mission of the center is. So absolutely, we have instructors in every sim. And one of the changes this year was to have to one to one, uh, sorry, a one-to-one instructor-to-student ratio, which I think is a huge improvement yeah. uh, in, the, in the IFR lab we, or for the IFR scenarios. In the past, we had one instructor monitoring multiple people when it came to IFR, and we decided this year to really step it up. And the volunteers just keep coming and coming and coming in terms of instructors. We now have the resources to really staff it to do one-to-one. Yeah, it, it was a great experience. What was your favorite scenario? Let's see. I like straight out of annual. Okay. Uh, what is, could possibly go wrong with an airplane straight out of annual? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, kept, yeah, I wrote the copy for that and said, you know, this plane is completely bulletproof because it just came out of annual. So it's, you know, it must be, it must be uh, good to go. I also love the high DA... Uh, approach into Montrose up in Colorado. So it's a, D- yes. a DME arc, and then uh, and you got to shoot the approach with a, with in a 172 up at really high altitudes. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty cool one too. Very good. But you know, one of the things that strikes me about what's different about these scenarios compared to typical experiences someone might have had in a simulator at a show like this is that we actually have a scenario where you don't even start the engine. You simply get in the box and pick up several IFR clearances, and then that's the end of that particular scenario. And yeah. I don't know of too many times where you get into a simulator and you're not starting on the runway with the engine running, ready to go fly. It's really, I think, innovative use of these devices where really get your head in the game and practice a very specific task, in this case, picking up a clearance, which is something that a lot of instrument pilots don't do. They go shoot their six and six with a safety pilot in good weather, but it's all under VFR. They, yeah. they may go years without picking up a clearance. So we've gotten great feedback from that. People really have en- yeah, really enjoyed using the sims in such an innovative way. Yeah, uh, that's great. There's also uh, a good, a really good uh, scenario on holding. Um, and we just, at Stuck Mike, we just did a, an interview a couple weeks ago about uh, specifically about all the details about holding and uh, entries and protected and non-protected and all that kind of stuff and what some of those fallacies are. But uh, it, if, you, if you recall that one. Um, I wrote it. Uh, you wrote it. Okay, well, yeah. well cool. Uh, t- tell us a little bit about that one. Right. Yeah, the motivation for that is that our observation on the Pilot Edge Network in general has been that when an instrument 
instrument rated pilot goes to practice approaches and they go missed, they absolutely nail the missed approach hold pretty much every time. Okay. They know they're going to shoot it, they've briefed it, it's depicted in front of them. They can hold really, really well and yeah. they've had time to brief it. With, where the wheels really come off for them is where they're, when they're en route and they get a hold that they were not expecting. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is a breakdown in communication between the controller and the pilot. The pilot really doesn't quite, can't translate those verbal holding instructions in, into what looks like you know, pretty holding pattern on an approach plate. That, that's, there's a big difference between reading an approach plate and seeing a hold there versus hearing the instructions with, without a whole lot of context. So we said, why don't we design a scenario where you're, it's very realistic, you're mm-hmm. getting an en route hold, which I happen to get coming into Oshkosh, okay. unpublished hold, so I actually got to use those skills from that scenario. And so the, really the challenge of that one is to translate what those holding approach instru- so those holding instructions are to something you can visualize, because once yeah. you can visualize it, you can fly it. Right. So that, that's what's unique about that scenario. Oh, very good. Um, tell us a little bit about what's going on at Pilot Edge. You have some uh, new offerings that are coming up, I think, and, and new capabilities? We do. We absolutely do. So the two that we're really excited about, uh, we soft-launched our remote coaching service a couple of months ago. Uh, we haven't made too much noise about it because we, we really just want to try it out with a relatively small number of people and see if yeah. we need to tweak it or tune it. The good news has been we haven't had to tweak or tune anything. Um, the people who have gone through it have really loved it. So we're, we're, we're ready to start making some real noise about that. So the idea there is that uh, we have people with devices at home. They know how to use them. They now have ATC. Uh, we have been providing content in the form of training programs that they can fly, the V ratings and the I ratings that are popular on our network. But we still get lots and lots of uh, inquiries from people saying, I really need someone to walk me through this stuff one-on-one, and I'm happy to pay for it. You know, they don't okay. expect to get that one-on-one attention for, for free from an instructor, sure. but they really would like someone to be helping them out with this stuff. We got that request a number of times, so we decided to come out with a, uh, a series of curriculums that people can choose from. They're fixed-price courses okay. consisting of five to ten lessons, and you're basically paying, on average, about 35 bucks an hour per lesson and okay. when, you, when you do the math to do these fixed price courses and it's there's VFR airspace and communications courses there's IFR non-precision courses there's precision courses there's a walkthrough of our I ratings there's VFR cross-country planning and we'll be adding more courses as time goes on so people can click on the site uh, to pilotedge.net and go to the remote coaching section in the navigation there but if you don't see anything there that quite fits what you're looking for we have the custom training option which is where if you have a very specific task you want to practice mm-hmm. it's basically 40 bucks an hour and you can do anything you want with us you know we can okay. sing the national anthem for you if you like you know <laughs> whatever you need but we can customize the training to suit your needs so if you very have cool. if it's recovery from stalls partial panel whatever it is that's yeah. bothering you circle to land in your yep, case yep um, uh, that's what we want to offer so we've, we've rounded out the service and now there's really no excuse to not stay proficient at home Oh, that's great. That's and the, great. The second thing that we're excited about is our expansion, the long-awaited Pilot Edge expansion. So we have been planning on expanding outward from Los Angeles to include uh, Seattle, Portland, Salt Lake, Denver, Aspen, everyone loves Aspen, and Phoenix on a, on a full-time basis. Oh, it's terrific. Really designed for the jet pilots. So right now, jets tend to hit the edge of our airspace pretty quick when they're flying at 9.8. Right. And now this can give you a lot more city pairs that are further apart. Very good. So for people who don't know, um, the service historically has been li- limited to SoCal mostly, SoCal approach. Yeah, and- it's, it's Los Angeles Center. Covers okay. 40 towered airports and about 150 non-towered airports. It includes Vegas, San Diego, uh, uh, let's see, San Francisco if you go far yep. north enough. 
but yeah, basically Southern California. And that, and that gives enough traffic density that, um, as a pilot participating in the system, I hear other I hear other pilots, I hear other radio calls, that sort of thing, just like you would in the real world. Yes. But if if you let us fly anywhere we wanted to, it, you know, there'd be a whole lot of nothing out there. There'd be a whole lot of nothing, and everybody would be flying at their home airport. Let's yep. face it, you'd be shooting an approach that you don't really need to practice because you already know your home your home airport, and there'd be nobody else there, and it would cost a fortune to run the service to cover some yeah. airspace. So we ask people to compromise, expand their horizons a little bit, fly in yep. airspace they're not necessarily familiar with. I happen to think that's a really good thing. Mm-hmm. And you'll get much more traffic density. So we compress what would have been a nation's worth of sporadic, scattered traffic, compress it down into the SoCal area. Very good. Very good. Well, Keith, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. Thank you for the investment that Pilot Edge has made, Pilot Edge has made in the um, Pilot Proficiency Center. I think it's really making a difference for a lot of pilots. I know it has for me. Um, I wish you a safe trip back home, and uh, we'll talk again next year, if not Thanks. before. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. We're really excited to be part of it. We'll be here next year, too. All right. Thanks so much. All right. This is Larry Overstreet for Stuck Mike Avcast at the Big EAA Convention in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. This is Russ Roseleski reporting for the Stuck Mike Avcast from EAA AirVenture 2016. And I have the opportunity today to do a little follow-up interview from someone I interviewed back a few months ago at Sun and Fun. I'm here with Ben Kowalski, the Vice President of Marketing at Cirrus. How are you doing, Ben? Yeah, great. Hey, great, Russ. It's nice to see you again. I appreciate it. It's fun seeing you at Sun and Fun, and it's fun seeing you up here at Oshkosh as well. It's been a great week uh, so far. So. Uh, I'm well, glad you can make it. I bet. And one of the things we talked about at Sun and Fun was was your new Vision Jet and the up and coming certification of it. It was it was getting closer. Why don't you tell me? Are, are we there yet? What's the story? Yeah. Well, Russ, there's an enormous amount of momentum around the Vision Jet. You know, you kind of uh, you're here with me at our booth, and you're able to see that we have several Vision Jets out there. We've got a um, uh, the first customer airplane. So we've got the the first airplane that's going to be delivered to our customer in a beautiful white and red. Uh, design sitting right there out there on Celebration Way. So it's exciting to see that aircraft and it here. And we have a beautiful um, uh, mock-up of the aircraft as well that, that all week people have line, been lining up to get in and out of the aircraft to see uh, what the inside looks like and get a good feel for its size uh, and how comfortable it is and, and kind of how, you know, just, you know, quite frankly, how cool the ramp presence is of that aircraft when it's both on the inside, you know, seeing it and on the outside, seeing what it looks like on the ramp. So things are going great with the program. We um, uh, are just about to enter what's called function and reliability testing. So that's the, the, the last phase of uh, FAA certification where uh, you fly off about uh, 300 hours um, to to quite to do it exactly what it says, check all the functions and check the reliability. So when you type certify an aircraft, you're, you, you know, there's this process of getting it certified, saying, okay, that is the aircraft and those function as designed. And then what FNR testing is, is where you fly it as if it would get a year or two years worth of use or, or however many hours it is. But it's kind of saying, okay, you did a wonderful job building the aircraft, and now let's see what it looks like over the course of the first you know, year or two of its in-service time. So, uh, so that, and this is standard for all airplanes going through any sure. certification program. So uh, we're just getting ready to start that. And, and, and as we wrap that up, uh, certification then is upon us and imminent. So it's really exciting. The, uh, our, our jet position holders, you know, we have almost 600 jet position wow. holders right now, Russ. And we saw an enormous amount of them here this week. We've had some events with our uh, jet position holders here. Many of them are Cirrus owners already. 
They currently live the Cirrus life. You know, they, they, uh, they kind of, a lot of our, our jet position holders have a Cirrus, uh, a, you know, an SR-22, 22T. And, you know, they're using that Cirrus to change their life, um, whether it's be enhancing their business or enhancing their personal life. And they're all uh, eagerly awaiting the Vision Jet arrival so they can start enjoying the, uh, vision, the uh, Cirrus life at jet speed. So. Well, you know, it's, it's a very exciting time, obviously, for Cirrus and certainly for the, the uh, projected owners here, the, the position holders. We, and you mentioned the, uh, that many of them are existing Cirrus customers uh, on SR22Ts. Is that your primary market? I mean, is that what you're kind of looking for? What, what, where do you see the Vision Jet being, being most popular? So, Russ, uh, you know, the original intent of the uh, Vision Jet was absolutely, uh, and now the original and current intent is to be a step up for our current pilots. It goes a little bit further, a little bit faster, a little bit higher uh, than uh, the SR does. And on top of that, it's got a jet engine. So it's, uh, it's a beautiful aircraft. And some great things about it, it, it Russ, is it's, it's simple to fly, very much like the SR. There's a lot of similarities. When you hop in the cockpit, you'll see that the flaps are in the same spot. Your hand goes to the same spot in an SR as it does in the Vision Jet to get the flaps. The uh, uh, controls, the side stick is in the same spot. The switches are in the same spot. So there's so many similarities you know, that were designed in intentionally to, uh, for those that are moving from an SR up to a Vision Jet. And the SR is just the ideal uh, training and preparation aircraft to move up into the vision jet. Um, we're also seeing a lot of interest uh, in orders from across the board. You know, there are people seeing that the vision jet, at its price point um, and at its operating costs, doing exactly what it needs. A lot of people are finding that they might have uh, potentially more aircraft than they need, so they're flying with uh, potentially some turboprops or turbines above us, uh, above where the vision jet uh, fits in the market. And they're only they're only going five or six hundred miles, and they're only taking you know two people each time, and they're staying below thirty thousand feet when they make those uh, relatively quick trips, those regional trips, and at the with the acquisition price uh, of the Cirrus uh, and the uh, operating costs of just the single engine turbine, uh, folks are really realizing that it's a no-brainer. Uh, when it comes to acquiring and operating this aircraft, it just makes sense for them uh, and their business, and the return on investment is really smart. So, um, you know, and then on top of all that, Russ, it's got amazing ramp appeal, right? You know, it's, it's, it's cool. This is, you know, the Jetsons have arrived. You know, you, you as an individual owner and operator, you can have your personal uh, jet. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, we fly the aircraft around a lot during its test flight phases, and we'll go to a lot of different airports with it, Russ. And we all, you know, we always get, whether it's someone someone from the tower says, oh my goodness, that's beautiful. And they say, can we come down and take a look? And so whenever we get somewhere and we park it, people are coming down to look at the aircraft. Because um, it is, it's a, um, it's it's kind of, it, we're, we're creating this new category of the personal jet at a, at a price point and a capability standpoint. And you know, to date 600 people, you know, almost 600 folks have said it makes sense for me. And you know, we can't build them fast enough is where we are now. <laughs> well, well, you, you got to admit, it sure does look cool sitting out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, thank no, you. No doubt about that. It sounds like you're going to have quite a market for the small business owner, someone yep. who, who needs to travel to customer sites. Like you mentioned, just a few hundred miles away and get, they yeah. get there back real quick. I think that'd be perfect. But one thing you definitely accented in your talk was this concept of the owner pilot. Mm -hmm. So this is not generally someone who's going to hire someone to fly for them, it's the owner who's going to do their own flying. So as a result, 
you're going to have to have some training. Sure. So what, what is Cirrus going to offer as far as training goes? How, and how long does that take for, for an average pilot? Sure. So a couple things. There will be a lot, certainly be quite a few owner pilots uh, for the Vision Jet. You know, there's a lot of people who have, uh, have, have said and have clearly spoken uh, as well by acquiring jet positions and said they, they want to be jet pilots and they want to fly the Vision Jet. Uh, so they will be stepping up to that. And uh, the, the training, you, you get a type rating for the Vision Jet. Sure. And so you all training will be factory direct. So you will come to Cirrus Aircraft and through our Cirrus Approach training system, uh, you will come for us for your type rating. And so that's a uh, nine day program and then a, a check ride that follows that. Um, and it is uh, put on by our Cirrus Approach training team. Uh, and it uses full motion flight simulators, it uses the aircraft, it uses in-classroom training, and a lot of new rich media um, to help engage you during the training. You know, we uh, certainly are aware of all the different types of training you can get for aircraft, and we want to ensure uh, that we deliver the quality of training that our customers are used to with the SR. You know, we have uh, our Serious Approach training system has over 7,000 online users right now. We have over 20 classes that you can take online from FIKI training to instrument training uh, to landings uh, training. So we have all types of training courses and we're usually using that Serious Approach training system which trains online and in person for our SR and we're using that exact system uh, along with the full motion flight simulators, the level D simulators um, that you can train with to provide factory direct training to our, our, um, uh, our owners and operators uh, around the world. Now jets are, are often thought of as difficult to fly by those who aren't familiar with them. and. But there are certainly a lot of things that are easier about flying a jet. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah, and so you talked about stepping up from, say, an SR-22 to a, to the Vision Jet. Uh, how about someone who you know maybe is has some time flying Bonanzas sure. or, or something like that? Um, same same training course. Any additional uh, things you you think of there? Yeah, absolutely. No, the the Vision Jet. Uh, you know, we've been fortunate uh, for a couple things. One, it's a clean sheet design, and that that helps yeah. us. So we've had the opportunity to design the airplane exactly the way we want to, using all the knowledge we learned about how high-performance piston operators fly. You know, we have 16 years now of delivering the world's best-selling airplane. Um, you know, for the, more than the past decade, the SR has been the world's best-selling airplane. Uh, and we have, we were constantly enhancing and proving that operator, the passenger experience, all of those things in the aircraft. So. Uh, we've taken all of that knowledge and built it into a clean sheet design turbine aircraft. So what you get there is all those years of experience of us saying, okay, how can we make it better? What, what are the, the kind of the minor inconveniences that people don't like and how can we improve that? And on top of that, Russ, we've been able to integrate the most capable avionics in the world with the Garmin uh, Perspective Touch or the Cirrus Perspective Touch avionics by Garmin. So those are integrated into the aircraft. And when we talk about it being a simple and easy aircraft to operate and fly, there's a lot of things that come to mind. Um, for example, one, I mean, let's just go right down to starting the airplane. It's a FADEC controlled uh, Williams FJ33 I saw engine. one power lever in there. It's it. That well, was it. Yeah, absolutely. You've got one lever and you've got one button to start it. So uh, you reach over and you turn it to run and you hit one button and the engine starts. And the FADEC is monitoring the engine parameters and if there's any 
uh, in situations where the uh, FADAC, you know, the, the essentially the engine computer, decides that it needs to do a precautionary shutdown of the engine there while you're spooling it up or anything like that, it'll do something like that. So um, you've got all of these systems. Then you've got, you know, you've got that engine FADAC control. You've got uh, the avionics, which have electronic stability and protection. Um, it has synthetic vision. It has emergency descent mode. It has all of these features built in um, to help you make it simpler to operate. And due to the level of integration rust, we also have an enormous amount of synoptics uh, on, the, on the Perspective Touch flight deck. Synoptics are graphical representations of systems. I saw those. I was sitting in the mock-up yep. and then pressed through some of the, the menu options. And it had, there it had the landing gear system or the, the fuel exactly. system and, and everything right there on the screen. A picture's worth a thousand words, so if you look up there and you see, okay, it, it'll actually show you of all these different systems on the aircraft, the fuel system, the icing system, um, the uh, electrical system, you see images. So you literally see pictures of fuel tanks and you see uh, if it's green, everything's working fine. If it's white, it's something you got to maybe take a look at. Um, and uh, these are these synoptic types things are, are systems that are you know located on some of the most capable uh, airliners and or high-end business jets in the world, and we've brought all of these to the Vision Jet. So, you know, when you think about is it is it simple to operate? Is it easy to fly? At every opportunity at Cirrus, we've looked at from a systems integration standpoint from a controllability, from a flyability standpoint, we built those things in. Uh, I mean, for example, you know, your, um, uh, your stall speed's in the mid-60s in the aircraft, right? And wow. that, that's, you know, <laughs> it's fantastic, right, it's for really this, low, uh, yeah. this category of aircraft. And when you hop in the traffic pattern, if you get dropped out in a visual somewhere, your speeds are within five knots of what you were doing in your SR before. So, um, you know, your question was about, you know, you said, hey, Ben, you said it was great for an SR to step up to it, and that's ideal. How about folks who are in Bonanza and other craft, aircraft to step up to a vision jet? And the answer is absolutely yes. I mean, this is designed, um, it is the latest technology uh, to, to set people up for success in one of the most capable aircraft in the world, um, the vision jet, um, for, for what it can do on a personal uh, business and regional transportation level. Um, it is set up to, to help uh, all of those pilots stepping out of uh, piston aircraft. When they come through our Cirrus approach system, they're, they're definitely set up to succeed in the aircraft. You know, I, I, I sat in, in the mock-up and I've seen uh, some of your materials on your website. Well, they, they about, gr the grin's still on your face, so <laughs> yeah, I do know you were sitting yeah, but, in the mock-up. <laughs> uh, and you look in there and it, and it has this option for like seven seats, and there's a couple of kids' seats in the back, which would be fantastic, of course. But the thing that I think struck me and some other people who are commenting is, it's roomy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, compared to other other airplanes and even other jets, uh, twin engine jets, Lear, I'm six foot two. Yeah. You know, Learjet, I, I get, you know, I get bent neck and that thing. And, you know, even in a, like a citation, my headset's hitting the, the top. So I sat in this thing, plenty of headroom, shoulder room. It felt pretty substantial. Yeah, so let's yeah, talk about comfy. that. You, you know, here at, at Oshkosh, where there's so many aviators around, we typically start talking right away about what it's like to fly the airplane. Sure. Right? But the reality, as you're kind of hinting at here, is um, this aircraft is going to be remarkably well received by the people who are flying in the, in the back of the aircraft, I the think passengers. So. And all of this is intentional. You see the shape of the aircraft and how much size there is. You know, that pressure vessel, obviously it's a pressurized aircraft, and the pressure vessel is one piece of carbon fiber. So we actually lay that up in our factory in Grand Forks, and it's one piece. And 
by laying the entire pressure vessel up as one piece, what you do is you get all the strength out of the carbon fiber, but it's also remarkably thin. So we don't have to put ribs in the aircraft. We start putting those in, in, in certain areas. So when you don't have ribs, you're able to increase the, the internal yeah. volume of the cabin. So uh, it's remarkably large on the inside. And uh, you know, there's plenty of space for your head to stay straight upright. And there's two things when it comes to designing rust. It, there has to be reality, and then there has to be perception of reality. <laughs> reality is, it truly is, there is a lot of space. And so when you hop in, there is plenty of headroom space, there's plenty of shoulder room space. And the other, if not just as important thing, is the perception of that space. People not only need to have the space, they need to perceive that there's a lot of space there. And how do we do those things? Remember, the, how, were those windows tiny or were they big in there? Oh, they were pretty it? big. They're enormous. <laughs> yeah. I made the comment to the person I was with as well. Yeah, these are, windows are huge. The windows are enormous. We have a carbon fiber uh, fuselage and pressure vessel, so we've got all that strength so we can make enormous windows. So it gives you great visibility and it makes you feel like you're in a wide open space. Uh, I don't know if you remembered it, but if you looked at the seats, the seats have relatively narrow headrests. The headrests are just the size that you need to rest your head if you need to, but they're narrow intentionally as well. The reason is uh, we want people to, who are sitting in the back of the aircraft to be able to look by the windows and look out the front windows. They don't, we don't want anything inhibiting their view uh, of the amazing views out the side windows or the front windows. So, you know, back to my point about reality, the windows are huge, the cabin is huge, and then you also perceive those to be enormous and to feel like there's a lot of space in there because you can see outside, you can see in front uh, really well. And both of those contribute to a really uh, exceptional experience for the passengers. And one last I, I wanted to make is the Vision Jet's a social airplane. You know, when you think of it, and, and, and what do I mean by that? The, the idea uh, and the intent from the design originally is to connect the pilot with the passengers. And you know, in a lot of airplanes, um, you know, whether they be turboprops or turbines, the, the pilot uh, and co-pilot, uh, if you need one, in the Vision Jet it is single pilot operated, so you only need the pilot up there. But those two stations are typically separated by a bit from whether the club seating or whatever it happens to be behind you. So it's a very different experience. Uh, in those, and in the Vision Jet, you've got the closeness of uh, the pilot uh, seat up front and that first co-pilot or passenger seat, and then the closeness right behind that of the other five seats in the aircraft, and those are facing forward. So you can simply lean your head open into an expansive cabin and, and have a conversation with your family or your business colleagues, and you're not shouting all the way to the back, and you're not, you don't, there's no physical barrier or separation or aisle or anything like that that's separating. So, uh, it's a social airplane. The intent is to have the pilot and the people who are up front uh, part of that experience of the flight. So it's, uh, it's exciting and, and I, I appreciate that you were commenting and picking up on some of those things. Uh, and uh, it, it wasn't hard. Some of them were very obvious yes. when you step in the thing. It yeah, is. When you compare it to, it to some other products, absolutely. Yeah, so it's exciting. Yeah. Well, this has been great, Ben. Do you have just a few more minutes to talk about a couple other things? Of course, Sirius, absolutely. Uh, absolutely is doing? Russ, yep. I appreciate everything you just talked about, about the uh, yep. the jet there. Uh, big excitement, and of course, uh, you know, we're all excited to see it get uh, certified. Absolutely. And get flying, yeah. but, but you do have a couple other things that the Cirrus has been... Uh, been working on one. I saw some news releases on. Uh, I think it's called the Perception. Is mm -hmm. that correct? Yep. Like a special missions type uh, version of Cirrus. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, Cirrus Perception is our special mission aircraft. So it is. It's a multi-mission intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance aircraft uh, that really expands our global portfolio 
by offering uh, some unique performance and capabilities that are suitable for a wide array of things, from airborne traffic and law enforcement to aerial surveilling, mapping, photography, search and rescue missions, disaster management, uh, border surveillance, and more. And, and what this is, Russ, is it is a um, uh, it's an option for our aircraft where within you know 10 minutes you can switch our aircraft over from being a let's call it a standard. Uh, civilian aircraft and you can switch out and you can add um, the uh, surveillance uh, pod to the aircraft and equipment and you can use it uh, you know you can put um, you know cameras on there different type of sensors to fly over locations and and get that data link information uh, either to you in the aircraft or you can get it to the ground um, and so it's pretty exciting um, we've been working on it for some time now we've already uh, have a launch customer will be taking delivery shortly the Minnesota State Patrol uh, they purchased the first perception aircraft and are going to get it in their fleet operating here shortly. Um, but in, you know, the, the, the story really behind this is uh, over the course of the last you know, five, uh, well, give or take years, seven years, um, you know, government agencies in the United States and around the world have been looking for cost effective ways to do their roles. And a lot of these missions are flown uh, currently by, you know, turbine aircraft, turboprop aircraft, or helicopters. And the operating expense on those are, are is, can be pretty hefty. Sure. So now you've got the, the uh, capabilities, uh, a lot of similar capabilities that you get in those aircraft in uh, the world's best-selling airplane, which we have in over 60 countries around the world and a global support network for it. So you can get the, you can use that aircraft as a cost-effective solution. Uh, to do the missions you might have been doing with a more expensive uh, turbine uh, or rotorcraft aircraft. And on top of that, in 10 minutes you can swap it out and turn it back into a VIP transport. If you don't need it to be that special ISR platform, it can quickly take that equipment off and you can be moving uh, people back and forth uh, as a regular Yeah, uh, it looked like the camera pod just kind of attached where the baggage door is. It does. Just kind of mounts in there a few screws or something and yeah well there's a mounting bracket yeah. uh a mounting bracket internally and it slides in I and slides it, yeah. out uh but that's exactly it you take the door off you can take a uh two bolt i think a couple bolts off slide that right out put the door right back on and you've got uh that equipment disconnected and uh, you can go flying you know so it depends what your mission is if you want to be uh relatively um uh, you know, kind of stay out of the limelight there. You can show up with an aircraft that just looks like any other aircraft that would be on a ramp. And then when it's time to do your mission, sure. you can throw that on and, and go to work. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. But, and one last thing I think I want to talk about here is another very interesting program you have. It's called the Jumpstart program. Mm -hmm. And I saw there's an aircraft out there today uh, with, with a sign here that describes a Jumpstart program, but this is something for like flight schools or something, right? It is. So our Jumpstart program is Cirrus's, along, Cirrus and our partners, um, our vendor partners have, you know, we put together a program with support from our vendor partners to figure out a way to, to grow general aviation and to get people into training aircraft and get them to learn to fly. You know, one of the um, uh, challenges of, uh, you know, get bringing new people into aviation is uh, just quite frankly, sometimes the age of the fleet, right? So you can go to your local sure. airport and the aircraft might be, um, you know, decades old potentially. And there's a lot of folks out there who are coming out of, you know, uh, newer cars or, you know, whatever it happens to be. And so they have, they, they have these great experiences in their automobiles and other, in their, in other parts of their lives. And they don't have an equivalent experience uh, potentially in the, air, in, in the aviation space. So 
we've worked uh, with our partners to produce a Jumpstart airplane, which uh, provides certain incentive to Cirrus training centers uh, to get this aircraft into their flight school and then to use it to train uh, new people and start doing private pilot certificates and instrument ratings and things like that. And so uh, we give people this, you know, the awareness of knowing that, you know, you can hop in, if you want to learn how to fly, you can learn in to fly, learn to fly in an aircraft that has a wonderful uh, customer experience. It's a, it's a great performing aircraft. It's comfortable. It has a parachute. Um, so you, you can get all of those things uh, that you might expect from other parts of your life in your training environment. So, and we have wonderful partners. Um, we've got uh, great folks like Air Graphics, APA, uh, Behringer, uh, Continental, Environmental Systems, Fastenal, Free Flight, Garmin, Hartzell, Midcontinent, OSCS, Sherwin-Williams, Tenkade, Whalen, uh, AESI, and uh, CIES. We've got these great partners that we work with um, that are supportive of that, and they're supportive of Cirrus, and they're supportive of us finding new and creative ways to support uh, and bring people into general aviation, uh, into general aviation. Uh, so it's great, and uh, you know, we had a wonderful event here at Oshkosh this week where we brought in those partners and people uh, who had learned to fly through this program. Uh, and it's both in North America and around the world. So we have a certain amount of Jumpstart aircraft that go to North America and some that go to Europe and other places. Um, and it's, you know, it's, I think it's, it's one of the ways that we collectively want to give back to general aviation uh, and ensure that we keep uh, growing, uh, you know, and, and providing tomorrow's pilots a great opportunity and great equipment to train in. Well, it certainly sounds like a great program and to be I am one of those that learned to fly in one of those several decade old airplanes, sure, like, sure. like thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. Sure. But, man, it'd be nice to learn in a, what, an SR-20 or something, wouldn't it? I did. I, I was the same. Many years ago, I, I, fly, I learned to fly in an older aircraft that was old. You know, 20 years ago, it was still very old. Same, same here, yeah. Um, yeah, but, um, but any way people get in aviation, we're, we're happy about it, right? This sure. is just Sarah saying, you know, we're trying to find a way for certain people um, uh, who will feel more comfortable and, and, quite frankly, train in one of the most capable training aircraft in the world, create that program. You know, just talking about training aircraft for us, you know, if you look out here at the show, go out in the Boeing Plaza or Boeing Centennial Plaza, congratulations to Boeing on the, the 100 years here. Right. Uh, but they, um, you know, we have a, an SR out in the uh, Boeing Plaza there, which has, um, which is a Emirates aircraft, you know, Emirates uh, airline. Uh, one of the most uh, largest and most capable and, and, and popular airlines in the world selected uh, the SR-22 as their training aircraft. So they bought 22 SR-22s from us, and that's going to be their uh, ab initio training program. Wow. So when they bring people in, they're going to be learning in uh, SR-22s. Then they can move them up and get them right into the Airbuses and other aircraft. So. Um, that we are the, the the training side of our business is growing and continues to grow. You know, we just you and I walked in here and you saw that while we were walking in, uh, Purdue University was in our booth, uh, talking. You know, giving a presentation mm -hmm. to everyone in our booth about um, uh, how they use the aircraft and what they do. So you know, Purdue, Western Michigan, uh, there, there's St. Louis University, uh, United States Air Force Academy. The list goes on and on of folks who are using the SR. Uh, as a training platform, um, and uh, so it's pretty exciting. Well, Ben, I, 
I really appreciate your time today. This has been absolutely great and very informative. I hope that uh, next time we're on across to each other, we can talk and that jet will be certified and up and flying and uh, you'll have some other things to discuss. Well, Russ, I think next time we do the interview, it'll <laughs> probably be at 28,000 feet in the back of our vision jet. So I look forward to having you out here. I, I think I can go for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, thanks. Thanks, Russ. All right, thanks a lot, Ben. This is Russ Rosleski for Stuck Mike Avcast. Thanks. Wow, guys, those were some awesome interviews. Uh, that Russ, that was pretty incredible with the the Vision Jet and, and Larry. Just just incredible the uh, what they're doing with the pilotage. The uh, the thing that I liked about uh, the software. Let's talk about the first one, Larry. The the interview there. That one yeah. uh, that excited me the most was the fact that they got are getting involved with coaching and yeah. teaching. I mean, other than the amazing technology, one of the things I did after I heard this interview was went on YouTube and started watching all these things and I thought it was totally cool. And I said they can't this can't be for real. You know, I've never seen this before to be honest with you. Never actually seen it demonstrated. It's phenomenal. That your red really clearances, is. I followed a whole flight. Clearance, takeoff, yep. landing, etc. Um, the the coaching thing, have you gotten any updates as far as what they're doing with some of that? No, I haven't. Uh, since uh, since I talked to Keith, that was the the last time I've uh, you know had any information coming out on it. Um, it is a new service, and they've been you know as he said, kind of uh, soft launching it, if you will. Um, but I think it's going to be something that is a really neat way to uh, augment the you know whether you're working on an instrument rating or just trying to stay proficient or whatever. But if there's something that you want to work on specifically, uh, to be able to um, you know have somebody at a really reasonable rate to help kind of watch you or, and, and walk you through wherever you're having a little bit of a challenge or a little confusion. Um, so really good uh, service that they're offering. They also have some other courses online. I don't have the, the website in front of me now, but we'll get that and put that in the show notes at stuckmygavcast.com. Yeah. Uh, some really neat uh, courses on different things like clear, uh, holding patterns, et cetera, like you had mentioned in the interview, like we did about the holding patterns. They have uh, departures, right. diverse departure areas, that type of thing, and I think that's awesome uh, that they're doing all that. That's something that I, I think is is a really great service to our pilot community and is another reason I think that the accident rates are going down uh, in the NAL report. That is a tease for one of the upcoming episodes, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, so, Larry, that uh, one of the things that I, I really love is when, and I know Rick's really into technology, is when, when technology and, and passion coincide and then produce something that is actually helping our community and helping our pilot group. I think it's just, just really, really cool. I don't know, Rick, have you ever, have you ever seen this before, the, the pilot edge thing? Uh, no, I have not. But it sounds really cool. <laughs> I, I said to myself, this is something that's right up Rick's alley. He loves technology. And and not only that, they, yeah. they do this in a manner that – I don't know how they do it. It just is – it's just phenomenal how they're able to do this live, real time. Yeah, definitely. Talking yeah. controller. Yeah, it, it is really impressive. And, you know, just to, to kind of expand on the experience a little bit, uh, Carl, the, um, the entire pilot proficiency center there at Oshkosh – um, I've been going back, I think this is the fourth year they've had it, and I've been there each year as it's grown. Um, and it's really a cooperative effort between a lot of different companies. Yeah, you know, Redbird is there with the Sims, Jefferson has the um, software and the uh, approach plates and things like that for you. Um, a variety of people, including Keith and some of the IMC Club folks and others, created some of the scenarios. Um, and you could go in, the whole thing is free, you just sign up, you get a slot. 
Um, and you can uh, shoot approaches. You can practice holds. Um, uh, on the on the IFR side, there were a bunch of different scenarios. Um, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of like 30 or 35. I forget the exact number. And um, on the VFR side, they had scenarios where you could do a carrier landing. You could do a box canyon uh uh, landing or departure, I think it was. Um, uh, you could do the Fisk approach with Fisk arrival, which is the arrival procedure into the Oshkosh Air Show itself at Air Venture. Um, uh, you could go through a night currency scenario. Uh, they, they really had some great, well thought out scenarios. Um, and to pilots who may be listening, maybe didn't have a chance to get by there this year, um, you know, if you're going to be at Oshkosh next year, definitely consider carving out some time. Uh, to go over to the uh, proficiency center, it's been you know better and better every year, um, and uh, I'm I'm sure planning to go back myself. In that proficiency center, where is that located? Is it the same spot every year? Um, it has actually moved around and become much more prominent. So uh, for people who have been there, um, kind of right down the main the main uh, uh, walkway, if you will, the, the air show center, if you will. Um, is uh, an area they call Celebration Way, which is kind of the main road, if you will, once the tents and everything are set up. And this is one of the four main EAA tents. So there's like the Welcome Center and, you know, a couple of others. And then the um, Proficiency Center is one of those. So it was right front and center in the show. Cool. I mean, there's some amazing technology in that tent. I know I've seen some pictures uh, from everybody's postings on social media, which, by the way, as an aside, uh, I'd love to hear how people were able to interact with Air Venture online. I know I was able to look at uh, YouTube. Uh, myself and Rick, we both were not there. I know I was sitting there on Twitter following things, uh, and uh, there was some really, really cool shots. Uh, Rick, how did how did you keep in touch with with uh, Air yeah, Venture during well, this? There was just so so many people there <clears throat> that I knew that. Both my Twitter feed and my uh, Facebook feed were full of activities during, you know, during the prime hours. Some of it, you know, everything from weather, you know, you're, there's always weather that comes through and you can tell when people are getting hit with rain because everyone's talking about it uh, or, or getting battening down the hatches, getting ready for it. Um, and there are a couple of pictures, uh, Larry, from your from your campsite that I swear I had everyone I know in aviation in the in the shot. It was really, it was like, um, you know, except Carl, not Carl, not me. And there were a few people who weren't, but, it, oh, I couldn't believe it. I went, oh, yeah, there, oh, yeah, there's, yeah. you know, it was pretty cool. That's we awesome. did, um, uh, Tuesday night, we have the uh, privilege of being treated to a jambalaya dinner um, by uh, Grant and Leslie uh, Prelwitz, who are, you know, friends of ours, uh, long-term aviation friends of ours. And Leslie made 24 quarts of uh, homemade jambalaya. And another 20 quarts of chili. And uh, we had a lot of, besides the people we camped with, we had a lot of additional friends that came by. Um, and it was gone. So we went through the whole thing in uh, not very many, you know, not not too much time. The the one neat thing is that I felt like I was there with you during this. And, uh, and the, the foods you ate, the, the weather, like Rick said, the excitement when you were watching a show, the, the fact that I actually could hear it. I mean, that, this is something that I love about social media is the fact that I am actually able to share this experience with you. I felt like I was there. Uh, yeah. I, I do need to go there, though. Like you said, Larry, Larry kept texting me. You got to come <laughs> here, Carl. This is really, really cool. <laughs> I was like, man, I would really like it. Yeah. Oh, I know I would. And the, and like you said, the people there are just just absolutely wonderful. Uh, did anybody, by the way, make it to Potapalooza, uh during the whole show? Crickets? No, I guess not. I didn't. 
No, yeah, I would have loved to get over there. I think that was sponsored by Pipistrel this year. And, it was. Uh, and the, uh, they always have some great chocolates over there, too. I forget oh, what bread. The, yeah, bread, yeah. Marzari, uh, launch yeah. pad. Uh, he launch did pad. have chocolate this year again. So I want to know how he keeps it from not melting. He always has great chocolate, and it's never melting. He does that at, at uh, the other show that we do every year. And yeah. uh, it was actually wonderful. It was wonderful to have him come by. He's a real energetic person. He's he's really embracing podcasting, which I really really enjoy. Um, but uh, so thanks, Larry. Great job on that. By the way, everybody, uh, you know this is incredible. The, the team we have here at Stuck Mike Avcast, I I really really appreciate with from the production from from Rick and the the wonderful in- interviews uh, from Tom and Larry. And, and also Russ, just some really, really great stuff. Uh, I sat here saying, oh, my God, this is – you guys, I could sit here and just listen to this. As, as a listener, I really, really, really enjoyed it. So great, great job. Speaking of which, as far as technology is concerned, we talked about Pilot Edge. One of the things that I was really impressed with was with this Vision Jet. Just phenomenal, the technology. When they started doing the, the touch screen and the simplicity and, and just the wonderful all-around experience of flying in – the aircraft and also flying the aircraft. Uh, it, it's one of those things where form uh, meets function and technology is useful but not too intrusive from what I could tell from my seat. I don't know what your impression was, Russ. Yeah, it was really exciting and uh, you could you could really feel that it is in the tent, all the people in there uh, talking about it and you know anticipating this you know the the certification of the jet. There was a mock-up there, as you heard in the interview, and you know, just kind of standing around, you know, listening to people as they they go in the mock-up. You know, it it was pretty amazing. It was pretty. Neat. I mean, single-engine jet, uh, you know, pretty easy to fly, uh, very similar to an SR-22. Uh, the, the technology on board with the systems and diagnostic information was 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 pretty neat to see. They had the uh, the first customer, uh, you know, to be delivered to a customer once a certified uh, airplane there. Couldn't get in it, of course, you know, but uh, but it was sitting there for everyone to look at. Uh, but also the you know the other two things that I talked about in the interview, their uh, you know their perception uh, special missions platform that kind of bolts on. Oh, it's it's a it's a special Cirrus SR22, but you know it has a kind of pod that bolts on, and uh, you know to put cameras in or, or that kind of stuff for surveillance use. That was pretty pretty neat to see. Some pretty impressive stuff. And then, of course, their their flight school program, the the Jump Start, uh, where they offer some incentives to uh, to owners and flight schools to operate Cirrus aircraft. At actually, although uh, we didn't get too much into the specifics, the incentives actually seem pretty good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just just a lot of fun and and you know, lots of stuff going on. And you know that was that was the only interview I had a chance to do while we were there. But uh, but it was a fun one. You know, I tell you that just looking at that and looking at the the technology and and Cirrus actually trying to promote aviation, wouldn't that be so cool? Like you said in the interview, to be able to start your career in this brand new, shiny, comfortable aircraft like a Cirrus, not the nineteen sixties, seventies, one seventy two. And that that would be totally cool. I mean, I think that's wonderful that they're doing that and they're trying to place these in schools. I actually would love to see more and more in in, uh, in clubs. Uh, I'm I would love to get involved with them. I think that would be just just awesome. But uh, anyway, the you know one of the things that I love about Osiris and also with everybody, Pilot Edge, everybody at at Oshkosh at Air Venture, is everybody's trying to move forward and promote uh, aviation and make a better product. And make it better and more useful for us, and make it a safer environment. 
And I think that we are seeing the results of that, uh, like I said in the Null Report, which we're going to talk about in a future episode. Uh, and by the way, we have a couple really cool interviews coming up. Uh, Without Precedent is an amazing book about an amazing man who is the first Purple Heart uh winner uh award winner of the uh in the um what was it the korean war and it's uh, owen zup is the author and it's his father uh that actually was awarded that and it's a whole story about his life and his amazing amazing flying career and then we also have ben sclair another interview coming up with ben sclair living with your plane and general aviation news of course they were all over oshkosh and sun and fun uh and we're having we'll have those two interviews coming up uh, like Rick said, we we probably could go to a weekly. We're not we're not going to commit to that now, but boy, I tell you, we have so much material that uh, and so many interviews coming up here. It's been really really exciting. We also have coming up uh, another uh, was it Tales from the Terminal? Uh, we'll have uh, Jennifer from Tales from the Terminal. She'll be on in a future interview. So so stay tuned for all those. And guys, uh, I really appreciate what you do and what what you were able to do being involved in uh, the Air Venture. I really want to be there next year. I'd, I'd love to make it out there. I know, Tom, uh, you were able to do quite a bit within a booth uh, all day long. And one thing that was interesting is that you had – I remember a conversation I had with you, Tom, about the fact that you were in that booth. And it actually – the thing that shined through was it, it made you happy. It actually was, it was a great interaction with the people um, you know, at, that, at that booth. And you were able to meet some really cool people, didn't you, Tom? Yeah, I did. And, uh, you know, I got, I even got visits from Russ and from Larry. So I got to see them face to face, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really appreciated those visits. Um, I did get to sneak away a little bit. Um, I, I got a, I got to go for a walk and I actually, uh, this year I wanted to branch out and see something different and made it out to the, uh, seaplane base. So, uh, which was really cool for the fact that, um, you know, normally I see seaplanes and they're on a ramp somewhere. These were all floating in the water. And, uh, you know, to see the perspective of, of, of a seaplane sitting in the water and how they sit, how a lake sit, uh, a lake amphibian sits in the water, you know, how a 182 on float sits in the water. And then, of course, that big Mars Martin was sitting out there as well, um, which was which was really, really cool. Um, but uh, that, that was a little adventure I got to go on besides just uh, standing in a booth all day long um, and, and talking to people. But uh, that in itself, you're right. It, it was it made me happy because uh, I was. Very grateful for all the people that I met and, and got to talk to. Well, that's awesome. And that's what it's about is the people you meet. That that Mars aircraft, I, I can't wait to see that in person. That just looks phenomenal. Uh, you know, one of the other things that I, I also would like to talk about real quickly, and I'd like everybody here that's been to, Sun, to, excuse me, to Air Venture to think about, is if you're – right now, you're thinking about going to Air Venture – uh, what, what should you be doing? What is the first thing to do? Is there something that you should think about first, like, uh, how to fly in, reserve your spot? You know, what should I be doing right now to be getting ready for air venture next year? Uh, and if it's a first time visitor, you know, what should I do? Larry, what, what would your advice be? We'll start with you since you have quite a bit of knowledge. Sure. I guess, you know, one of the things I would do is try to uh, think about how you want to stay. You know, so some people are hotel people, some people are tent people, you know, and everything in between. Some people like to camp with their airplane. And um, if you're going to camp there on the grounds, uh, there's really nothing to do at this stage of the game except, you know, start dreaming about what you want to do once you get there. Um, you don't really reserve uh, camping ahead of time. You, you know, you kind of show up and, and stake a claim, if you will. Um, the... Um, 
Uh, other options uh, are uh, the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh uh, opens up their dorms, and a lot of people like to stay there. There are shuttle buses that go back and forth. Um, and then from a hotel standpoint, if you do want a hotel room, you got to get it now. Um, they go kind of immediately. In fact, a lot of people just perpetually reserve you know, the room for the next year while they're still there. Um, so that would be the first thing is figure out, you know, what what kind of um, accommodations you want. Uh, and if you need to, like from the hotel standpoint, if you need to do something early, uh, that would be the only thing that I would say to do ahead of time. Other than that, um, talk to friends who have been there. Um, you know, my, my biggest thing is bring sunscreen. Uh, everything else you can, you know, kind of take care of. But sunscreen, you, you really need uh, you're going to be spending a lot of time out in the sun and uh, you don't want you don't want to you want to enjoy it, you know. Um, right. But uh, other than that, uh, if you've not been there before, the other thing I would say is is just assume that you're not going to see everything. Um, I think it takes several years if you were there all week to kind of really thoroughly see all the airplanes um, and walk through all the vendor booths and at least go to some of the forums, you know, because there's a ton of educational forums, um, people speaking on all kinds of different topics. Um And then there are a lot of skills that you can build. So if you want to learn how to rivet or weld or work on, you know, fabric airplanes, um, paint, you know, whatever it is, carve a propeller like you can uh, you can learn uh, the basic skills you need uh, if you're if you want to build an aircraft to um, uh, get started. And so think about those kinds of things. Maybe look at the program from this year just to get a sense of of the kind of opportunities that are there. Um, but, uh, as they say, no, you know, no plan survives contact. What is no battle plan survives contact with the enemy. But when you're at Oshkosh, no matter how well you plan about what you want to do ahead of time, you know, everybody says it, but their plans go out the window. Like after the first four hours, they're there because there's just (laughs) so much to see. And, you know, you have to go down that, um, you know, you say squirrel or you say airplane and, you know, you have to go see something that you weren't planning on. And that draws you in a different direction. And, you know, it's so I guess just be willing to release those plans, you know, make them make sure you go to the things that are really important to you. But uh, also just be willing to enjoy the time, you know, and explore and and realize that you're going to see all kinds of new things. There's 10,000 airplanes on the ground, you know, wow. um, it's just amazing. It sure is. 10,000 airplanes. That, that is absolutely incredible. Thanks for that advice, Larry. You know, something that I did starting going when I started in any of these air shows is I would volunteer to help uh, with different organizations. And that was my way of actually paying to get into that. Uh, I would agree to actually work a booth. Uh, for when I used to do a lot with NAFI, when I was, you know, in Master CFI, I would actually be a Master CFI at the booth. Uh, one, that was a really cool way to get to know the show and know the people. I know Tom, you actually have done this in the past. I'm not. Sure, I think you did that this time. Is to to actually go and volunteer with with somebody and help them to be able to to actually have your way either paid or partially paid to get into the uh, air show. Is that something you would you would suggest for people to do? Oh sure, and and as, when I got into aviation and started flying, you know, I, I've I volunteer over at uh, Sun and Fun Radio, and um, Carl, that's that was uh, after you and I had met, and uh, you turned me on to that, and we uh, I've been there what now four years, and uh, it's been great, you know, just to to spend over there, and and uh, I do the camping thing out at Sun and Fun, um, in Oshkosh, uh, I was. Um, invited to stay in a house that was off the field so uh, I had decent accommodations for that 
And, um, you know, that, that was part of the volunteerism, I guess, uh, and, uh, worked out well. So, you know, whatever, whatever somebody can do to get into something like that and, and, uh, find a way, um, to give back. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to find a way to give back to the aviation community because I, I was really liking what I was seeing and, and, and what a close knit community it is. And, uh, you know, was grateful for the help that I got along the way, um, getting to my certificates and, and wanted to give back to that. And, and that's definitely an option. Awesome. And Russ, do you have something to add the, as far as what people should do or think about before they go to Oshkosh this coming year and planning for it? I don't think so, Carl. That's about, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, Larry really, uh, really did a great job summing up pretty much everything. I don't have anything to add to it that uh, he, he or Tom said. He was, yeah. He, yeah, he's, he's quite experienced at that. What did you do, by the way? You flew in and flew out? Or how long did you stay? Uh, we, we flew in. I was with a friend of mine. We flew into Fond du Lac and um, actually got a hotel there and a rental car and drove up that way. But I've camped there as well. And, uh, you know, they, they both have their, uh, their pros and their cons, you know, certainly you're, you're camping. Well, you're camping. So that, you know, that can be a little bit of a con to some people, but you're right in the, you're there, you know, you wake up and you're surrounded by airplanes. So that's cool. Um, of course, you know, hotel, well, you know, you get a real shower every, <laughs> every morning. So, <laughs> uh, but you do have to obviously drive, drive in and, and that kind of thing. So pros and cons on both sides. I've done both. Um, yeah, and they're, and they're, they're both of the good points, but, uh, you know, Larry was absolutely right. If, if you're thinking about staying in a hotel, now's the time to be making those uh, reservations and such. I actually yeah. looked into it the year after I, I've only been once and the next year I was thinking of going. So I started looking into that. And I don't know if this is still true. This is just a couple of years ago, but there's a, the hotels all know what this date is and there is a start date for being able to make reservations. So like right now. Like my memory of it was for summer, it was, well, I don't remember now, but it was, it was not right away. Like it wasn't today. Like I don't, I think if you look for those dates, they're blocked until right. a certain point and they know when those are going to open. Like, so I, I just remember knowing and I set a calendar reminder for when I should book and then I booked a few <laughs> and then I, ended up canceling, then I ended up canceling them all, but, but because I couldn't go, but, but just check it out. Cause it may not, there may be a start time unless you've got an arrangement with a hotel you know that personally so that's that a great right. point that's a really good point because i know that that's true of many air shows they have a specific date uh where you can start booking so yeah. great great advice there awesome well i guess that's and, it actually and, tom i think you had another point yeah just make. just one other thought crossed my mind is uh as we were uh as some of the news was coming across, like at the beginning of the week on Monday, Monday they closed uh, uh, Oshkosh. They closed Whitman Field down. They, they wouldn't let any more planes in. It was full. And then they were diverting people to Fond du Lac, and I think Fond du Lac filled up as well. Um, and there was people that were camping down at Fond du Lac and driving back up because – and and obviously it's a, com it's a complete turnover in the place all the time. So people leave and people arrive. But that's something that uh, people need to consider when they start uh, making plans to fly into a place like that. Um, that, uh, that there is a possibility that when you get there, they're going to tell you that you're going to have to go somewhere else. How far is that, uh, Russ uh, Fond du Lac, how, for those of us who haven't been there? Uh, for driving, like in yeah. a rental car, it was, it was under 30 minutes, I think, to the – Okay. Know, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't real far. That's not too bad. So that's another option to think about going to uh, 
going to Air Adventure. Well, gosh, this is uh, this has been awesome. Some great advice, some incredible interviews. Russ did a great job on the interview. I can't wait to for the follow up interview, and yeah, we're gonna hopefully. Thanks. I can't wait for the video that you're gonna take from the cockpit when you do get that test flight. Uh, we'll post <laughs> okay. that on our. Really on put our me on the spot. Right? Yeah, I yeah. am. <laughs> well, no, we we know that Cirrus wants to wants to show off their airplane, and uh, we'd love to have. Uh, Russ actually uh, be on there and and, uh, and showing it all for them. So yes, we'll definitely do that and put it on our YouTube channel. And also, Larry, hey, that was a really cool interview. And I know you guys were really busy uh, during the show taking pictures and and posting them. Don't forget if you're wanting to follow these air shows, they usually have a hashtag both on Facebook and also on Twitter. Uh, this year it was a hashtag Osh16. Next year I think it's Osh. 17 is that correct larry i think that's right for next year i bet that'll work <laughs> so i am actually uh i'm gonna go and follow that right now and uh start getting ready for the next year i'm gonna not promise but i can almost promise i'm gonna be there next year and i can't wait uh but guys this has been terrific some awesome interviews i can't wait to make it till to the next show we have a bunch of interviews coming up we uh we have like i said an interview on our next episode is going to be with uh, with actually uh, uh, without precedent, Owens up, a great person, amazing aviator, has over a thousand articles written in magazines. Incredible aviation speaker, wonderful person to talk to, real humble individual with uh, almost twenty thousand hours of flight time under his belt, and uh, and then of course Ben Sclare from General Aviation News, and also living with your airplane, he has some really cool stuff he's going to relate to us, and then Jennifer from uh, Tales from the Terminal. We'll be coming up in an episode after that. So we have some really cool stuff on deck. And, uh, you know, we all love bringing this to you. Don't forget to go to contact at stuckmikeavcast.com. Visit our Facebook page, Twitter. Send us information. We now are putting consolidating all that information so we can talk about it on future episodes. Well, folks, from myself, Tom Frick, Russ Wazleski, and Larry Overstreet, and, uh, of course, Rick Felty and all the other hosts of the Stuck Mike Avcast, safe flying. And we can't wait to talk to you again next episode. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.